heart of Texas back in 18 and 35. They drew a line in the sand. The folks at Gonzales had freedom on their minds. It was all because of a candle that had kept their colony safe. But then General Santa Ana sent some Mexican troops to take the big gun away. You know what those colonists said? Come and take it if you want it. Come and take it if you think you can. Come and take it, but we'll warn you. You'll have to pray from our cold dead hands. We want the freedom that God gave us. So you best not cross that line. If you want this gun, you gotta come through us and take it. One shot at a time. started a revolution that no one could put down like a wildfire for freedom it's burnt even now you see even if you got an army when all is said and done you just don't mess with texas especially when it comes to guns the mexicans went home without that cannon come and take it Guess what we're going to talk about today? This is Americana, the American way, um, on YouTube, Rumble, possibly coming soon to Telegram. On Twitter, it's at the real underscore Big John, and someday if Parlor gets released from Internet Jail, uh, at the real Big John, all one word. Um, I, t- I said, you know, back at the beginning of the year, uh, I wanted to do a little less current events and a little more history. So, because the Second Amendment has been coming up in the news lately, um, just, just a teensy tiny little bit, but uh, Joe Biden has talked about doing the assault weapons ban again and you know I want to reiterate something a friend of mine said you know there is no classification of American weapons called assault rifles or assault rifle Now, I disagreed with him after uh, a school shooting uh, or some kind of mass shooting. And the thing of it is, when it comes down to it, we don't really need a semi-automatic rifle. But this is America, and it's not about what 
somebody decides that we need. If we want to own a semi-automatic rifle, that's our decision. Now, I'm getting into modern politics here, but some of your liberals will say, well, a semi, any semi-automatic gun needs to be outlawed. They don't realize, you know, all handguns are pretty much semi-automatic. Even a six-shooter revolver fires around every time you pull the trigger. So that falls under their category of semi-automatic. But does the Constitution and the law of the land, which is the Constitution, allow us the right to bear arms or the right to arm bears as Robin Williams once said you know we we can sit there and debate this and so on and so forth but the matter of the fact is we do have a right to arm bears or bear arms. It's in the Constitution and let's read here straight from the founding document. Well, actually, if they want to get technical, why do I have a gray screen here? Well, because there's a pop-up ad. Okay. Go away, pop-up. Okay. So... We've got the Second Amendment pulled up here. Get rid of all these damn ads. Now... I guess we're going to have to do this this way. One, I'm going to pull my glasses on so I don't have to squint through the whole thing. Put up with the glare on my glasses, I guess. I don't need a table of contents. I just need the damn words. Alright. There are the damn words. Here in Encyclopedia Britannica... It's a good place to go. Pretty unbiased. Uh, uh, whatever. Encyclopedia.com or it's Britannica.com slash topic slash second hyphen amendment. Um, 
Second Amendment, the amendment of the Constitution of the United States adopted in 1791 as a part of the Bill of Rights. Now, this is the first ten amendments to the Constitution, okay? That provide a constitutional check on Congress, on congressional power, Article 1, Section 8, to organize, arm, and discipline the federal militia. The Second Amendment reads, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Referred to in modern times as the individual's right to carry and use arms for self-defense, the Second Amendment was envisioned by the framers of the Constitution According to the College of William and Mary Law Professor and future U.S. District Court Judge, Judge St. George Tucker. His first name is Saint. St. George Tucker in 1803 in his great work, Blackstone's Commentary, with notes of reference to the Constitution and laws of the federal government of the United States and the Commonwealth of Virginia. As the true palladium of liberty, in addition to checking federal power, the Second Amendment also provides state governments with what Martin Luther described as the coup de grace, that would enable states to thwart and oppose the general government. Last, it enshrined the ancient Florentine and Roman constitutional principle of civil and military virtue by making every citizen a soldier and every soldier a citizen. So, that's a very good start to what we want to talk about. Every citizen needs to be ready to defend their country. Now, we would say in this day of modern weaponry with drone strikes and such, uh, airplanes, you know, guided missiles, atomic weapons. What good does any rifle do the average person? Let's look at this last line of this uh, entry in the encyclopedia here. Last it enshrined the ancient Florentine and Roman constitutional principle of civil and military virtue by making every citizen a soldier and every soldier a citizen. So, if every citizen is a soldier and every soldier a citizen, first of all, we, we do have a volunteer army. where people 
sign up to defend their country. And what happens in the case that a foreign adversary does make it to our shores? Our military can fight better than anybody. But let's just say in some possibly near future or distant future, the enemy makes it to our shores. Should I not be able to defend my home? What are, what are the, what have the best tactics used against the American army, American military ever been? And I'm not saying that we need to go out and defend ourselves against our own military. But when we invaded Vietnam, when we went into more recently Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, the people there that were armed, the guerrilla warriors, the Viet Cong, the insurgents in Iraq, were our biggest adversaries, not the standing army of, let's say, Iraq. It was the individuals armed that gave us the most fits. Let's look at another situation. Afghanistan, early 1980s. The second largest, at least we thought at the time, well-armed military in the world, the Russian army, invaded Afghanistan. They were wreaking havoc on the Afghani people with their big, you know, massive uh, missile platform, helicopters, jets, tanks, etc. They did not have a standing army. They had a Mujahideen, which was holy warriors. These people got weapons from wherever they could scrounge them, and they were insufficient until the United States and a Congress by, congressman by the name of Charlie Wilson not to be confused with the douchebag who used to represent my congressional district, a good congressman named Charlie Wilson in the 1980s, which is a great Tom Hanks movie, Charlie Wilson's War. Now, we started funneling good weapons to the Mujahideen, which was a citizen army, and they used sneak attacks. They would hide in the mountains. And when they saw Russian military planes, jets, uh, helicopters flying over, they would come out from behind the rocks, the bushes, bushes, for those of you speaking English. Uh, they would come out of the woodwork, out of the wilderness. And they would shoot down the Russian military jets and planes. A citizen army, a militia, 
this was see, we're at 2021 it was 40 years ago not that far back in history now they were not armed with the kinds of weapons that you or I could get our hands on the semi-automatic rifle they were armed with yeah semi-automatic rifles but they were also armed with tank buster missiles bazookas uh, stinger anti-aircraft missiles which are a, a, a shoulder mounted uh, missile when a plane's low enough to the ground, you can blow it out of the sky with a Stinger missile. But they were a citizen army trained by American CIA operatives and armed by the CIA. So a citizen army or militia can be effective against a large standing army. Also the cases where the United States Army has had difficulty. When we went through the Iraqi army twice like a knife through butter, the second time when our troops actually went all the way into Iraq to topple the government. Later, the problem came from other nations, Iran, Iran, pardon me, Syria, perhaps, uh, bringing weapons in and arming uh, dissidents, insurgents, whatever you want to call them, people within Iraq that didn't want the American government. They wanted their own government. But nonetheless, a citizen army, well-armed, well-trained, and actually not very well-regulated, can be effective against a large standing army. To get back to the crux of the biscuit, however, with the Second Amendment, to see what the Founding Fathers were thinking, we got to look at the Federalist Papers. And if you're not trying to talk with a cigar in your mouth, they're called the Federalist Papers. There's a website called thefederalistpapers.org. The title of this is The Founding Fathers Explain the Second Amendment. This Pardon me, this says it all. Uh, this was published by Brian Thomas in 2016. But let's look at this. He says there is a lot going on about the Second Amendment. Some of, Some on the left have been spreading a little rumor that isn't necessarily about protecting any right of the individual. Some say it doesn't hold water compared to the government's ideas of ensuring public safety. Let's not forget the amendment 
a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, isn't our only clue to determine what the Founding Fathers <clears throat> thought of the right to bear arms. They've left behind plenty of writings which outline the purpose of the Second Amendment. And see, this is where the debate lies. And some will say, well, yeah, but back then they were talking about muzzle-loading muskets where you, you know, you took... I don't have anything I can use as a prop, but you had your musket, you poured your gunpowder in there, you put a little ball in there, and you packed it down with a ramrod, and then you fired one shot. They never envisioned weapons where you could squeeze the trigger or hold the trigger in and fire off multiple bursts of bullets, rounds, ammo, uh, hot lead, whatever you want to call it. But that's okay. Because you can take, I did this example yesterday in a video. This cigar cutter can be an assault cigar cutter if I want it to be. Okay. If I go and stab somebody with this pen, does it become an assault pen and need to be regulated? Let's read on and stop my silly comparisons. Here we go. Thomas Jefferson, old TJ. A free people ought not only be armed, but disciplined. Oh, that was George Washington. First annual address to both House of Congress, January 8th, 1790. No free man shall ever be debarred of the use of arms. Thomas Jefferson, Virginia Constitution, Draft 1, 1776. I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery, Thomas Jefferson, in a letter to James Madison, uh, 1787. What country can preserve its liberties if their rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. Thomas Jefferson, in a letter to James Madison, December 20th, 1787. So here you have the founders saying that not only do we need a standing army, and mind you, the Second Amendment was written four years after some of these letters to Madison from Jefferson. And Jefferson was a big writer of the Constitution, one of the main people. Uh, my dog's barking because there's somebody outside. Get him, Haley.
Go tell him. Let me pause for a minute until she calms down. Alright, she might be calm. Maybe. It's good to have a loud watchdog. And a gun. What they were saying is that the government needs to have a little fear of the people. Now, in the case of January 6, 2021... That was ridiculous. Um, we're lucky only five people died. Three of them died of natural causes, mind you. But those people, for the most part, were not armed with guns. Had they been, it would have been a much, much worse situation. But that's not what I'm talking about. That was a, a riot and a bunch of idiots. What we need to do is to keep our federal government from thinking they can just overtake and overrun us at any time. That they can impose any law they feel like. And nine times out of ten, they're going to be able to outman, outgun us, uh, such as Ruby Ridge. You can Google that. Uh, that was a famous gunfight between a, a weirdo and the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Also, Waco, Texas, uh, a cult bearing arms that were deemed illegal by the Clinton administration was raided by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. The cult put up quite a gunfight. And eventually, though, the federal government won. But let's look here what more of what some of the uh, what Thomas Jefferson had to had to say in his book, Commonplace, uh, quoting 18th century criminologist Cesar uh, Beccaria. The laws that forbid carrying of arms are laws of such a nature. They disarm only those who neither incline or, nor determine to commit crimes. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides. For an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed man. Thomas Jefferson, Commonplace Book. So even back here, this was in 1774 to 1776, he wrote this book. And they knew then that criminals will be more active if they know everyone is unarmed. And it's going to be more difficult for the person who's being attacked or assailed uh, than... It's going to be more difficult to defend yourself against an assailant if you're unarmed. 
you can be attacked with greater confidence. Criminals, bad guys, whatever you want to call them, will always find a way to keep and bear arms. It's up to us to keep the government from disarming us. Uh, like I said, anything, if you have a criminal mind, which apparently I do, because I can turn a pen into a weapon or a cigar cutter into a weapon, <clears throat> we can make anything to be an assault weapon, an assault baseball bat, an assault golf club, hands, feet, fists, kicks, can be used to assault people. Let's read on here. A lot of these are from Thomas Jefferson. A strong body makes the, the mind strong as the species of exercise. I advise the gun. While this gives moderate exercise to the body, it gives boldness, enterprise, and independence to the mind. Games played with the ball and other, others of that nature are too violent for the body and stamp no character on the mind. Let your gun, therefore, be your constant companion of your walks. 1785, six years before the first or the second amendment was written and ratified. So he's saying here, let your gun therefore be your constant companion of your walks. In order to protect yourself, He's saying you need a weapon. You need the right to bear arms. So right here you have the part one of the people that wrote the first ten amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, talking about concealed carry as the nature of uh, your mind, your body, your character. Games played with the ball and other and others of that nature are too violent for the body and stamp no character on the mind. It gives he says while this gives moderate exercise to the body, speaking of a gun, it gives boldness, enterprise, and independence to the mind. So you, he means you can walk down the street confidently because you know if you're attacked, you are armed and ready to defend yourself. It gives you boldness to go out and speak out against the government. It gives you boldness to be free and moving about in society and not having to worry about being attacked and being defenseless. So these are some of the thoughts of the framers of the Constitution, what they were thinking. 
in writing the right to arm right to bear arms the people's right to keep and bear arms not be infringed upon so I hope that gives a little clearer vision of what the founding fathers had in mind of the the right to arm bears let's go Let's read one more. This is in 1824, so this was after the the the, the uh, Constitution was written. This is the last quote I'll read you from Jefferson. The Constitution of most of our states and the United States assert that all power is inherent in the people all power is inherent in the people and that they may exercise it by themselves that is their right and duty to be at all times armed so right there after writing the the Second Amendment, you see he's talking about being armed at all times, or as he puts it, to be at all times armed. So let's read the Second Amendment again with this quote in mind, and duty to be at all times armed. Let me read the whole quote to you and then we'll read the Second Amendment again and see if this gives us a different light on the meaning of the Second Amendment to the Constitution. He says, The Constitution of most of our states and the United States assert that all power is inherent in the people, semicolon, that they may exercise it by themselves that it is their right and duty to be at all times armed. Now, the Second Amendment of the Constitution, if the computer will co cooperate, a well-regulated militia, comma, being Necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. <coughs> Go over here. Federalistpapers.org The Constitution of most of our states and of the United States assert that all power is inherent in the people, and they may exercise it by themselves, that it is their right and duty to be at all times armed. So the founders did, in fact, 
intend for us to be armed at all times. It's up to you how you want to do that, if you want to do that. But it sounds to me like they wanted us to be able to freely arm ourselves. And in the 21st century, we have the ability to check backgrounds, check for mental illness, check for signs that uh, maybe our neighbor isn't all there and needs to be uh, regulated a little more harshly than others. But you just got to keep to the fact that we were always intended to be armed and freely carry weapons in our own defense and also in the defense of our nation and our personal liberties. Okay? Now, I keep saying things like the right to arm bears. That comes from an old Robin Williams joke and I'll leave you with that. Uh, Remember to pray for each other. This has been Americana, the American way. Uh, Big John underscore, or uh, at the real underscore Big John on Twitter. Americana, the American way on all the podcasts, Rumble, and YouTube, and so on. The whole country's intense. You want to know why the police are intense? Because we're intense. We're armed and they're armed. Yay! It's in the Constitution. It says you have the right to bear arms or the right to arm bears, whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> National Rifle Association says you have the right to have armor-piercing bullets if you're a hunter. Why? How many deer wear a bulletproof vest? Is there one big deer out there going, I'm ready for your ass. Come on, give it your best shot. Let's party. I've got a human call. I got a course. I got a course. Isn't it scary to think that most hunters are people who drink a lot of alcohol with a heavy caliber weapon out there going, yeah, it looks like a deer. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, Bob. Uh, strap them on the truck anyway. <laughs> Cut a couple of limbs off, put them on, and they won't know. God, we're all armed. Here in New York, at least you don't get a lot of handguns. In California, everybody's got handguns. Even ladies, we're just carrying 22, just makes a small hook. <laughs> I'm tired of carrying my mace because I used to mix it up with my breath first and go, oh, there goes the day. <laughs> it's to the point in California where we're going to come home and go, honey, I'm home. Easy, dear. Hold it, honey. Dad, I got you. Hold it, boy. What up, dear? It's Family Feud, the home game. It's the Mansons versus the Hinkleys. Come on down. Show me automatic weapons. Survey says 50% dead. Now, in England, if you commit a crime, the police don't have a gun and you don't have a gun. So if you commit a crime, stop. Or I'll say stop again. (laughs) But here, everybody knows we are armed and it's escalating. It's going to get to the point where you're going to come home one day and people across the street are going, I built this cruise missile to stop these kids from playing ZZ Top. (laughs) And the next thing you know, it goes beyond that. It's Road Warrior on the freeways. People start mounting twin 50 caliber machine guns on the front of their Chevrolet going, Look, Helen, a slow Chinese driver. <laughs> no! You think you've got him, but he's in front of you going, No! I've got a flame from the trunk, you're one ton! 
And one little lady up in the front of them with a little tiny Volkswagen with a grenade launcher going, make my day. It's all there. We're Americans. We're simple people. But if you piss us off, we'll bomb your cities. Think about that. Just ask the Japanese. ago. what? We bomb one harbor. Next thing you know, you nuke our town. But the nice thing is, you build us back up, you buy our products. Nice people. Okay. So, good old Robin Williams with a unique way of explaining the right to bear arms and the right to arm bears. Uh, <laughs> uh, I miss that guy. So, with that, God bless you. Pray for each other, and we'll see you the next time around on Americana, the American way. <laughs>